Welcome to Shir Jashub, a Bible study broadcast brought to you by the Fellowship of Shir Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. This is Patty Scalzo. Today, my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, will be continuing the study on heavenly authority. At the end of the program, I will be giving an address where you will be able to write to us. But for now, let's rejoin Pastor Greg as he continues his Sunday message. Balaam, in some ways, is very much like the mixed-up world of his day. Remember, in 2 Peter, Peter calls Balaam a prophet. Balaam is a prophet. Balaam hears the word of God. But in Joshua chapter 13 and verse 22, we read, The children of Israel also killed with the sword Balaam, the son of Beor, the soothsayer, among those who were killed by them. So here in Joshua, he's called a soothsayer. That word there is Korsam. Korsam. Sounds similar to one of the other words we were looking at. And again, it comes from determining by lot or determining by magical scroll and so by implication to divine, to practice divination, a soothsayer. And you start to see this spiritual shadowy line. Israel uses lots. Israel has sacred scrolls to tell God's will. And to the untrained ear, if you hear, well, determining by lot, using magic scrolls to divine, to the untrained ear, it all may sound like the same thing. And it may seem like a shadowy line between the two. Remember we said that divination was a pagan parallel to prophesying. And this Korsam, Sutsain, this divining, was seeking the will, by definition, of the gods in an effort to learn their future action or in an effort to divine blessing on some proposed future action you wanted, as in the case of Balak. He's looking to be blessed and have the Israelites cursed. And we said before, it's very possible that these diviners conversed with demons. Here then is where the line becomes very clear. Here's the distinction. Divination is man's attempt to know and control the world apart from the true God. True prophecy is submission, submission to the living God's sovereignty. Let me reread you Deuteronomy chapter 18 and read down a few extra verses. And I'll read it from the New King James. In Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 10, there shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord, 
And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations which you will dispossess, listen to soothsayers and diviners, Kosam. But as for you, the Lord your God has not appointed such for you. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren, him you shall hear. And from there goes into the familiar messianic prophecy we know. Clear distinction here between these soothsayers, this kosam, and a prophet. You're not to listen to diviners or soothsayers. That's the reason the land is being purged of the people before you. But prophecy is different. The spiritual gift of prophecy, Moses was a prophet. And that distinction is someone tapped into the spiritual realm to try to know the will of the heavenlies, to try to manipulate it, to try to get some type of blessing apart from the knowledge of the one true God. And prophecy rather is then submission to the sovereignty of the living God. And isn't that word submission, submission critical to all these passages that we've just read in the book of Numbers? The first time, the second time, Balaam on the road with the donkey three times. Balaam having to go back and re-ask the Lord again, not submitting the first time to what the Lord God told him. Balak saying, well, maybe your God will curse on this mountain. Not submitting to the word of the Lord. Not submitting to Yahweh. Prophecy is based upon submission to God. Divination is man trying to take control of the supernatural realm. And there is a clear distinction between the two. Balaam has almost superstitiously feared God. He knows Yahweh is God. He knows his sovereignty, but he's not really submitting to that sovereignty in his heart. So Balaam is a prophet, but Balaam is dabbling in divination. He's a soothsayer. And this third time, now this third time, knowing from everything that's happened, from the angel, from the first two prophecies that came forth, that the Lord is pleased to bless Israel. He finally starts to get it. What does it say here? He did not go as at other times to seek to use sorcery. He puts his sorcery aside. And it says he sets his face toward the wilderness. And once again, he's open to the Spirit of God. And we have here a distinction between the simplicity of the true anointing versus the trappings and the toils of enchantments and magic. Verse 2 of chapter 24 in Numbers. And Balaam raised his eyes and saw Israel encamped according to their tribes. And the Spirit of God came upon him. So Holy Spirit comes upon him. Then he took up his oracle and said, the utterance of Balaam, the son of Beor, the utterance of a man whose eyes are opened, the utterance of him who hears the words of God, 
who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. So the power of God comes upon him and he falls down. And his eyes are wide open. He's almost like in a trance. We read about the apostles, how they could be in a trance and receive a vision from God. Verse 5, How lovely are your tents, O Jacob! Your dwellings, O Israel! Like valleys that stretch out, like gardens by the riverside, like alloys planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters, he shall pour water from his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters. His king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brings him out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. He shall consume the nations, his enemies. He shall break their bones and pierce them with his arrows. He bows down. He lies down as a lion, and as a lion, who shall rouse him? Blessed is he who blesses you, and cursed is he who curses you. And this is a prophecy. This comes out of the lips of Balaam. Blessed is he who blesses you, and cursed is he who curses you. And he is the interesting part. Balaam reiterates God's promise to Abraham in this prophecy. How God will bless those who bless Israel, how God will curse those who curse Israel. So then, as Balak tries to have Israel cursed, and as Balaam goes along, intending and hoping to curse Israel, what are they doing? God curses those who curse you. Out of Balaam's own mouth is the promise to Abraham. As they try to curse Israel, all they're doing is bringing curses down upon themselves. And you'd think that would be enough to stop them, because Balaam has proclaimed it. As they curse Israel, they are cursing themselves. And rather, they be very wise to bless Israel, to go out with water and food and say, please, pass through the land as you go on to the promised land. For if they bless them, they then in turn would be blessed. Verse 10, Then Balak's anger was aroused against Balaam. And he struck his hands together, and Balak said to Balaam, I called you to curse my enemies, and look, you have bountifully blessed them these three times. Now therefore, flee to your place. I said I would greatly honor you, but in fact, the Lord Yahweh has kept you back from honor. God is stopping you. Your Lord is stopping you. What does he mean, has kept you back from honor? Translation, Balaam, you're not going to get anything. You're not going to get the money, you're not going to get the power, you're not going to get the position. Verse 12, so Balaam said to Balak, Did I not also speak to your messengers, whom you sent to me, saying, If Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord, to do good or bad of my own will. What the Lord says, that 
I must speak. Now that's a statement of truth. He recognizes that what God's will is, he can't say more or less. He has to speak as a prophet what God tells him. I can't do more to do good or bad of my own will. But what should Balaam's will be? Balaam's will should be to do God's will. He recognizes the reality of God's power, but there's something very wrong with Balaam's heart. Because it shouldn't be a matter of whether God will allow me, whether I have permission. It doesn't work that way, Balak. I can't do it unless God lets me do it. At this point, it should be, I don't wish to speak to you anymore. The Lord God has spoken, and I align my heart with God. He understands the working of the Lord, but his heart, his will is not aligned with God's will. We are so happy that you were able to join us for our study today. We love to hear from our listening audience, so if you have any comments or words of encouragement, please send them along to us. Also, may I ask you to prayerfully consider supporting our church's evangelical outreach. Please send all correspondence and donations to Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut 06405. We would also like to extend an invitation for you to join us for Sunday service if you will be in the Madison, Connecticut area. Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the upper room of the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Take I-95 to exit 61. Go south to Route 1, turn right, and at the next light, turn right again. Please join us for our next broadcast of Shear Jashub.